John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. We'd like to take a minute to thank our pals over at Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. Buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. High Gain listeners get 10% off using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. That's all at isotope.com. I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. This is Ed Peterson. And this is John Kiltica, Ed. And this is the High Gain Podcast, John. Oh, it's so high gainy. Yep. Uh, what do we talk about? We talk about guitars all the time, all the time. Yep, grandpa guitars, mainly. Today, grandpa guitars, yes. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Where are you recording from, John? I am hunkered down in the basement again, Ed, even though it's sunny out. It's beautiful. Legitimately beautiful out. Yep. Supposed to be 80 this week. I have heard that rumor. It should not be 80 degrees in the fall. Not in Seattle. Nope. The upside of global warming is that we get lovely spring days when it should be closer to snowing. Yeah. I'm in beautiful West Seattle, too. Yeah, cool. Also in a basement. Sun streaming in, lighting up a couple of glass containers. What's in the glass containers? Beverages, John. How do I know? Containers? You could have human hands in there? (laughs) Nope beverages yeah okay hey ed yeah i have a fascinating update an update viewers will remember that we recently did an episode about the austin hatchet guitar (laughs) yeah we've done guitars where i've been not stoked about the guitar but then usually by the end there's something like some guy played it or you know it's got some feature to it this thing nothing I fucking hate it. I hate it. You hated it. I hated it. Apparently, not everybody hates it. Remember, it's a little thing that has no body. I remember it. So, I'm hanging out with our good friends at ThunderRoadGuitars.com. Sure. And a guy pulls up in a jacked-up, murdered-out black pickup truck. Okay. He gets out. He's a big guy, and he's got, like, a doom beard. He's got overalls and black jack boots. It's noticeable. So everybody in the shop is thinking, wow, check out that dude. Uh-huh. Dude comes inside and he's slightly agitated, but in a good way. He's like, hey, do you still have that Austin hatchet? Oh my God. And the guys say, well, yeah. 
Of course. Can I play it? <laughs> and I'm thinking, God, this is going to be horrible. Right. He plugs it in, and I start hearing the sound of tuning, but he's not tuning, tuning. He's tuning down. Of course. One step, two steps, three steps. He's going down. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he starts ripping kind of black metal doom. Love it. And it sounded great. Dude was really good. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Of course. So he buys it. Really nice guy. He introduces himself as Chainsaw Dave. <laughs> so Chainsaw Dave picks up the Austin hatchet, goes out and gets into his jacked up, murdered out four by truck. Yep. And drives away. Never to be seen again. And it was awesome. The only thing that would make the story better is if he said like, hey, I heard about this on the high gain, but I don't think that's part of the story. Right? No. And I didn't want to ask and I didn't want to tell him. Mm-hmm. Because he was so into it. Sure. He was super stoked to have it, and that's great. How about that, Ed? Austin Hatchet love story. Perfect. Is there some sub-sub-sub-genre of black metal doom in which that's what you play? The description makes him sound like a hillbilly doomer. Billy doom? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> about a man that's sad and lonely and all i gotta do is act naturally beverages beverages ed yeah that's a pretty good grandpa guitar you got there did you recognize this song i didn't <sighs> uh yeah maybe maybe the act naturally part yeah kinda yeah, it's actually called Act Naturally by Buck Owens. If I didn't have context clues, I'm not sure that version would have resonated with me exactly. Ah. I'm not saying your cover was bad. <laughs> bad is not a word I would use. I got to know, Ed, what are you drinking? I have a peach raspberry mint sparkling beverage that's homemade. We've got one of those soda streams. Oh. So we just like... Get a little carbonation going and throw some flavors in there. So I, I did peach raspberry. Vicky actually did peach raspberry mint for me. And it's in a lovely Fremont brewing glass. It's actually got raspberries and peach and mint in it, you know? That sounds wonderfully bespoke. Bespoke and delicious, John. You know what I would love to have right now? What? An Orca beverage, but I don't have an Orca beverage because our good friend Jan needs to get another case in the mail. We did contact Jan. I'm assuming that she's really busy. You know, saving the world one beverage at a time takes up a, a lot of resources. Maybe it just takes her a while to get through all the requests for Orca beverages. She has to sort the legitimate requests like ours. Right. From the, <laughs> the bullshit, give me something to drink requests. Right. Exactly. <laughs> We're not that. Clearly legitimate. So until those Orca beverages come, I guess I'm going to be soda streaming it up, Jan. Come on. In a bit of synchronicity here, I too have a sparkling water beverage. Great. Cherry flavor. 
Mm. And it is bubbly, B-U-B-L-Y. That's the, like, Safeway deal, right? No, it is bottled under the authority of PepsiCo. Mm-hmm. Pepsi water, I guess? Big corn. Total sugars, zero. Total fat, zero. They're probably slipping you a little something. So just over time, I will become more addled and compliant? All right. This, Ed, is a Buck Owens guitar. It is painted red, white, and blue, like many people might have seen. Yes. It's an acoustic made by our good friends, Harmony. This was made by Harmony back in the Harmony days. It was indeed, yes. Vintage Buck. 1970-something? These were made between 69 and 71. Two years. Oh, geez. Okay. How and why did this start, Ed? I don't know, John. 1929 is where it starts, with the birth of Alvis Edgar Owens Jr. Alvis Edgar. Yeah, 1929. Wow. He would later give himself the nickname Buck in honor of the family mule. That is very greatest generation of him. Yeah. That's correct, right? Isn't he greatest generation, maybe? Oh, 1929? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, no, wait. Greatest Generation goes up to 27. So he's early on Boomer? He's clearly Greatest Generation. Yeah, Buck is awesome. Yeah. Born in Sherman, Texas, Ed. Sherman, Texas. Into a very musical family. Everybody played, aunts, uncles, mom, pops. He grew up playing. Okay. But since it was the Depression and he was in Texas, mm-hmm. Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Very dusty. So, like many people from Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, they fled the Dust Bowl and headed west. His family went to Mesa, Arizona. Okay. That's where they settled. Buck keeps playing, and he's learning all kinds of instruments. Turns out Buck is kind of a natural at playing instruments. Sure. He picks up the mandolin, lap steel guitar, pedal steel guitar. Dude knows how to play stuff. I love him. So do I. How much hee-haw was on in your home when you were growing up? Maybe not as much as in your house, but <laughs> I watched it certainly all the time. John and I are Gen Xers. Yep. But I grew up largely in the South. Sorry about that. And goddamn, I watched a lot of hee-haw and Lawrence Welk when I was a kid. <laughs> a lot. Minnie Pearl, Buck Owens, and that crew are like pretty engraved in my Gen X brain. So I'm very into this guitar. By 48, uh, he's still a young guy, but he plays in a band called Max Skillet Lickers. <laughs> cool. You know, skillet licking. Yeah, no, I get it. They licked the skillet. Right. He got kind of hot for the singer in the band. Her name was Bonnie. And they got married. Bonnie Owens. 1948. Yeah, they were married for a little while. Until 1951. That is not much of a run, Buck. No, but their separation was amicable, I'm led to believe. Okay. Buck takes the opportunity, I guess, maybe to mend his broken heart to leave Mesa, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And he moves to Bakersfield, California. California is lovely. Late 40s, early 50s, when you could buy a house for a quarter. For a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was pretty sweet. 100 miles, 112 miles from Bakersfield to L.A. Back in the day with no real highways or roads or anything, that probably would only take you like, what, two, three days? 
<laughs> yeah. In your covered wagon and Yeah, exactly. Sure. One thing they had going on there was they were mixing a lot more influences into their country than almost anywhere else in the country. Sure. So if you were in Nashville, you were playing your country the way Nashville wanted you to play your goddamn country, and that's how that was going to sound. Sure. There was no other way to record it and produce it than that way. People in Bakersfield, they weren't down, man. No. They would mix anything into it. In fact, Buck knew how to play not only the country. He played R&B. He played pop. He played rock. He played polkas. Right. His quote about this? Yeah. If you was going to make a living out in the West, you had to play dance music. If you can't dance to it, then nobody's showing up. One thing that was not really accepted at first in the Bakersfield sound and in country all up yeah. was rockabilly type stuff. Okay. When Buck finally did record some of his own solo music, he wanted to record some rockabilly stuff he wrote couple songs called Hot Dog and Rhythm and Booze. That's cool. But he was scared he wasn't going to get any more work if anybody knew that he had recorded anything like Rockabilly. So he recorded it under a fake name, Corky Jones. Really? Yeah, old Corky. Huh. He said, if you even got caught smiling over at the Rockabilly folk, the Elvis folks, or any of that, you was out. Huh. With the Bakersfield country folk. Yeah. You want to keep playing around these here clubs with all these bands and stuff? I guess they did not like Rockabilly. They weren't even into Elvis. But he eventually gets signed to Capitol Records, and it was a disaster, Ed. <laughs> really? Yeah. Here comes Buck Owens with his clearly country-slash-rockabilly guitar-picker sensibility. Mm-hmm. And they decide they're going to produce him with, like, doo-wop vocals and some strings here and there, and it bums him out. So he takes a break. And in 1958, he moves. Where did he go, Ed? Bulls Gap, Tennessee. Tacoma, Washington. Whoa! Yeah! No kidding! Yeah! <laughs> Fucking Buck Owens, man. And he buys part of a radio station in Tacoma. K-A-Y-E. No kidding. Yeah. That's all our neck of the woods style. Yeah, and he plays shows with his band, the Barkay Gang. Yeah. He even hosts a show called the Barkay Ranch on local TV. Huh, I didn't even know that. And on the Barkay Ranch TV show down there in Tacoma? Yeah. Sometimes he would have on local musicians as guests. Okay. One of them was a local housewife slash singer-songwriter who's writing her own stuff getting started. Mm-hmm. Loretta Lynn. I've heard of her. Yeah. Born in Kentucky, coal miner's daughter, you know about that. Yeah. Married Oliver Vanetta Doolittle Lynn. Whoa. In 1926. The Lynns left Kentucky and moved to the logging community of Custer, Washington. Where the hell is that? I've never even fucking heard of Custer. It's like Canada border up by Bellingham. Yeah, I guess there's some logging up there. Yeah. Yeah. In 1953, Doolittle bought Loretta Lynn a $17 Harmony guitar. $17. Man. How do you think this thing sounds? It's pretty grandpa guitar sounding, you know? 
I could tell the viewers. Yeah. It's got a great ring to it. This thing is ladder braced as opposed to X bracing in a Martin. It's an orchestra sized flat top, solid top, spruce, and solid birch back and sides. A lot of acoustics, you kind of need to be in the room to really get a sense of like how boomy it feels. You know what I mean? This thing is wonderful. Wonderful? Wonderful. Wow, that's strong. Wonderful, yeah. I love it. I feel like that guitar, there's a vibe to it, you know? Yeah. It's that red, white, and blue thing. You know, it could sound pretty mediocre, but like it looks hella cool. Yeah. No matter how good it sounds... It sounds better when you see it because it looks so cool. And it seems like each generation picks up on that. In the John and Ed times, you might remember Pat Smear playing one of these at the Nirvana MTV Unplugged show. It was one of those 69 to 71 deals. Yeah, it was one of the original ones. Right. Imagine how many people saw that and were like, what's that he's playing? I still just think it's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. In 1960, Buck moves back to Bakersfield. Sure. This is when Buck starts picking up Telecasters and everybody's using Fender amps and the drums have like a heavier backbeat to them, like in rock and roll. Except it cannot sound like Rockabilly or Elvis or rock and roll. Right. Okay. But it is becoming more raw that way. Hmm. They were just not into that slick Nashville production. Sure. The importance of this can't be understated. Because the kind of stuff that was coming out of there is what spawned what we would come to know as country rock. Sure. It all starts with the Bakersfield sound. So Credence, Clearwater, Revival, the Eagles, Graham Parsons, heavily influenced by the Bakersfield sound and people like Buck Owens. I'm into it. As this sound develops, he gets his first hit, which I played prior to the Beverages Ed. Act naturally. I remember that. 1963. And that thing went to number one, man. A number one hit in 1963. What does that mean monetarily for a Buck Owens fella? Yeah, I wonder how much of it was a monetary thing and how much of it was a kind of door opener. Do people record one hit and then you can just kind of retire off that money? That has definitely been a strategy up until maybe Spotify. I think you're right. Some people just take that and leverage it. In Buck's case, he would go on to have many, many hits. That is a full-sounding guitar. I can have to take my word for it. The more I play this thing, the more I really like it. Be a cool thing to have around. So what's the cool thing with that guitar, John? The red, white, and blue paint job? That's not cool enough? No, no, like that specific one. Oh, this unit that we got from our good friends over at ThunderRoadGuitars.com? Yeah, yeah. They procured this Buck Owens American guitar directly from Buck Owens Enterprises as a new old stock guitar in its original box. Never taken it out of the box, never played. Which is so crazy. There is a shipping label on the box, send to Buck Owens Enterprises, and it has the address in Bakersfield, California, care of Dorothy Owens, who was Buck's sister. That's so wild. Like, you have probably played that guitar more than anyone else on the planet. I think at this point that might actually be true. That's so crazy. 
it's in wonderful shape, as happens with a lot of finishes over the years, whether they're in a box or played or not. You get the crazing in the finish. Yeah. And things like the celluloid pieces can shrink and separate, but, you know, glue that back down and call it a day. But the colors, the white is actually white in the red, white, and blue. We'll post lots of pictures of this. This is amazing. Yeah. Do you know how this guitar came to actually be? I don't know anything about it. Would you like to? Sure, sure. Tell me something. You know what we should do, Ed? What's that? Use this as a wonderful breaking point. Okay. Uh, and then come back and I'll tell you all about this guitar. Okay. So, I gotta know, Ed, did you get that new pedal? I did. Oh my god. God, anybody who was keeping track on the interwebs knows that our good friends at Strymon put out a new pedal, and Ed couldn't help it, so he got one. <laughs> like, And so this was like, what, last week or something it, it was announced? They dropped teasers on Instagram, and it's the blue color, so it was pretty obvious, I think, that it was going to be something in the reverb space, because all their reverbs are that blue color. Ed? Yeah. So, what is the name of the pedal you got? All right, go ahead. <laughs> it's a night sky. The night sky. It's in that reverb space? It's pretty reverby. You know. Reverby. Wow. And it's got like a infinite hold button. Ooh. Yeah. But it's got another thing here where it's got this sequencer built into it. So let me engage that. Okay. Like that. Whoa. You know. Can you control how much of what you're playing each step plays back? Uh, it's, it's a tap tempo, so you can slow it down. Oh. You can speed it up. Or you can manually step through it like I'm doing here. Yeah. In the time you've had it, what do you find to be the differentiator between that and other reverbs you've played? The step sequencer is interesting. I do wonder like how much I will use that. I don't know that I would do that thing I was just doing, stepping through. Maybe slower, that would be okay. But, you know, it's largely a really ambient-y sounding pedal. That is beautiful sounding. 
concentrating just on the ambient part then, what's different about it? It's got like a bunch of presets. It's stereo in out. Like these are just me walking through a couple of the presets. <laughs> what about that? I like that one. So it's got a whole filter section with like a high cut, low cut filter, which I think is a little different than, than most other, you know, not a lot of reverbs have that. You can do octave up, octave down on the shimmer, the trails. Hear that? Yeah. What's that, John? Uh, Mogwai Fear Satan. Mogwai Fear Satan. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. There you go. Play us out with a little more something. It's getting kind of Halloween-y time. Yes. We're in the fall. What about this? You know, and then the guy comes and chops your fucking head off. Oh, man, head choppers. <laughs> Thank you, Ed. Sure. Love it. New pedal day over at Ed's house. The Strymon Knights guy, everybody. It's brand new. I think it's firmly a contender for the board. It's a contender for the board. Great. Thanks, Ed. That's a lovely song. <laughs> Okay, 1969, Ed, was a fraught time. Sure. Vietnam. Civil rights. Riots in the streets. Yep. Have you ever heard of the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour? 100% I have. Yeah, the Smothers Brothers were brothers who played music and also did parodies and satire on the show. They were maybe a little more politically controversial than your average TV fare. Sure. So the network decided... You know, in the current political climate, maybe we need to get rid of those cats. So that's what they did. The Smothers Brothers. Yeah. They're just too edgy. Yeah. <laughs> Bring on the hee-haw. That's what happened. Yes. Hee-haw was meant to replace the Smothers Brothers. I find that very unsurprising. Yeah. The suits. I know what the people want. They want the hee-haw. The Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres. <laughs> this is what the people need. Give me more of that. When Hee Haw debuts in 1969, our man Buck is maybe hyper aware that the network is not having any outward political position taking. Okay. I think the message they're getting is keep your fucking mouth shut and play music. 
shut up and play guitar. Yeah. Stupid. So instead of then being vocal about it, yeah. he decides to go visual about it. Oh. He starts playing a red, white, and blue guitar. I guess I don't understand the message. Well, he considered himself a, quote, super patriot. Oh, God. I couldn't really find in the end what that meant. <laughs> Because he was also aware, however, that a lot of people that liked his music were, in fact, part of the counterculture. So maybe Buck was a little right-leaning, but didn't want to alienate those people that really liked his music. Yeah. He got a red, white, and blue guitar. You know who made that first one for him? Harmony. Our man Semi Mosley. Really? Of Moserite Guitars? Yeah. Yeah. So with the fortunes of Hee Haw Rising, it was a smash hit. So, too, rose the popularity of this red, white, and blue guitar. Everybody wanted to know, what is that? Where did you get it? Where can I get one? And a kind of miniature bidding war erupted. Okay. Guitar manufacturers tried to license that design. That's pretty great. So they were all like, we'll build it. We can do that for you. Okay. And then eventually he chose Harmony out of Chicago. He went to the Chicago Boys. Of course. So you want to know what the deal was? Yes. What's the deal? Okay. <laughs> the guitar, when it debuted, would be $82, and Buck would get $2.50. Jeez. Does that seem like a lot or a little to you? <laughs> that seems like a little. When they proposed that, Buck, I think, thought the same thing. Okay. And so Buck said, yeah, you know, why don't we try this for a couple of months, and I'll let you know if I'm happy with the way it works out. So they did it, and for the first month only, they sent Buck a check for $15,000. Oh, so they sold a couple guitars. Yeah. What Buck hadn't known at the time was that the Chicago Boys were going to distribute these things through Sears. As a marketing play, like, that's pretty crazy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as that happened, all of a sudden, these things are selling. Wow. Yeah, and that $82 uh, in today dollars. Yeah. What do you think? $760. Oh, that's pretty close. It's $587. Yeah. The case was extra. If you wanted a case, that was like another 10 bucks. Tell me about the headstock. The headstock has a plastic, I guess it's plastic. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Cover on it. And on most examples, that cover over time disintegrates and fades and falls off in pieces. And of course, this one being a new old stock, it's completely intact just lifting up a little bit at the edges as i mentioned earlier somebody can figure out the right glue and fix that and you never know but it's blue and white and it says buck owens american and it has three stars going down it vertically the truss rod cover is white and it's got white pinstripe around the edge of it i suppose meant to look like binding but it's one piece yes got it <laughs> By 1971, the Buck Owens American is discontinued. What we don't know, Ed, is if that's because it was the end of a particular licensing deal. Yeah. Or if it's because the fortunes of Harmony were kind of fading by that point. Buck Owens goes back to Bakersfield. He builds the Crystal Palace. Oh, cool. Go have dinner at the Crystal Palace. Maybe there was some gambling. I don't know. And go see Buck Owens. Yeah, sure. Every weekend, Buck would play at the Crystal Palace. 
2006, he goes to the Crystal Palace and he has his dinner that he likes. His favorite, by the way, chicken fried steak. Oh, of course. He told his band he maybe wasn't feeling so good and maybe they would cancel the show. He goes out to the parking lot, he's walking to the car, and a whole bunch of fans run into him that had driven all the way from Oregon to see him. Sure. And they're like, oh, Buck, you're our hero. We came here to see this show. I can't believe we get to meet you. And so he thought, okay, cool, I'll do the show. So he goes back in and he plays the show. After the show, he goes home and goes to bed. But uh, old Buck never wakes up. No. Oh, no. Played one last show, went home, died in his sleep of an apparent heart attack. I'm looking at the uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, what do we got? We got Dorothy's favorite filet. Oh, that's his sister. Oh, there it is. What? Buck's favorite chicken fried steak. I would go there just for that. Chicken fried steak with some old-fashioned country gravy and mashed spuds. $27. Gladly pay it. Oh, you could get Buck's chicken fried steak as a sandwich. <laughs> what about that? Yes, please. This place does not look very Ed-friendly. I wonder how much it would cost mm -hmm. to have that FedEx Express flown up here. A couple of chicken fried steak Buck Owen sandwiches. A couple for you, because I'm not eating any of this shit. Oh, you'll eat it. I'm not eating any of this garbage. <laughs> it's 2020, and I can't even get like a veggie burger. Buck Owens is not making you a veggie burger, Ed. No, he's a super patriot. You think a super patriot's going to give me a veggie dog? Fuck no. Buck doesn't care about your predilections. No. You can eat the chicken fried steak and like it. That's what he thinks. That's what Buck thinks. Yeah, he ate a lot of those chicken fried steaks and then he died of a heart attack. Weird. And that's it. Okay. Where should we tell the, the people to go, Ed? Instagram. Go to Instagram. That's a good one. Oh, didn't you say we got a new review on iTunes? Yes. This person likes the podcast and has some constructive criticism for us oh shit always appreciate it what maybe we appreciate it it depends tell me what it is and i'll tell you if i appreciate it or not okay rq baseman says these guys definitely know their stuff and don't take themselves too seriously okay this kind of insight about vintage guitars and gear is almost impossible to find online <laughs> you have to be in the business to really know <laughs> <laughs> that's us my only constructive criticism he parenthetically says to note the five-star review is that the guitar volume in the mix is much louder than the vocal volume it's very jarring when i have to turn up the volume to hear what the guys are saying only to hear a loud chord or ditty at 11 volume <laughs> keep up the good work just turn down the guitar in the mix okay i like this criticism <laughs> Because it is not uncommon for John to be playing guitar and me to have the headphones sitting on the floor. I can't help it. I think John has early onset Leo Fender ear. It's not trebly enough. Exactly. Well, you know what? With this episode, I think I nailed it in the future. Okay. Okay, great. So Instagram, it is. That's where we're going to tell you to go. Or patreon.com slash the high game if you want to help us out. Yep. And all the other socials. Sure. Facebook, Twitter. All of it. Yeah. What do you think of that, Ed? I think you did a great job today, John. I think you did a great job. I love that new pedal of yours. Okay. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>